Welcome to the You Have a Body podcast. Two broads talking broadly about health. The physical, the emotional, the nitty gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to You Have a Body Podcast, episode 65, Tension and Hypertension. Tension and Hypertension. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Hannah Wedeman, owner of SoulCon Fitness. And I'm your other host, Lucia Holly, nutritional therapy practitioner and owner of EssentialOmnivore.com. Here we are. It's been a while. I know. <laughs> it's been three weeks for me. Yeah. I missed the last two episodes. I know. I mean, I listened to them, but I missed them. I was not here for you, them. You were not here, but that's okay. You were busy. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay to go on vacation. Self, <laughs> you deserve it. And one of you, like your sibling got oh, yeah. married. Oh, yeah. My brother got weekend. married. Yeah, it was like a, I went for vacation and then I got back on Wednesday and then my brother got married on Saturday. And of course, because it's my sibling. Then there was stuff for me to do on Friday. Like, stuff that doesn't seem like it should take that much time. Like, going to get your hair done and your oh. nails done. And, like, making sure you look the right way. <laughs> and then helping with things for the wedding, too. Yeah. Like, prepping and helping make sure they were ready. Writing my speech. Oh. Yeah, practicing my song because I sang a song. Oh, my gosh. Did everybody cry? I couldn't even look at them, so I don't know. <laughs> I bet all the eyes were misty. My heart was racing so hard because I, re- I didn't, like, I perform in front of people all the time. Yeah. And I work, I mean, I my whole life is, like, talking in front of people. But suddenly, like, the speech was fine. That was easy. Suddenly having to sing in front of, like, my whole family most of whom have never even heard me sing before, much less, like, watched me perform a song. I was like, huh. I feel like singing is very vulnerable. Yeah, because if you mess up, everybody knows. Yeah, and it's, like, more so than talking, it's especially for, like, a sibling or a brother and, like, the most important day of his life Mm -hmm. or what have you. Like, Mm -hmm. there's, yeah, there's some pressure. Yeah, but it went well. Yay. Yeah, it went off without without a hitch. Cool. So and then tell me about your trip to Portland too. I climbed in the mountains. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. It was so nice. Like the yeah, the Oregon coast is just so pretty. It's beautiful. We spent like three days in Portland proper, and then the rest of it was just like hiking and like driving to Mount Hood. And we drove mm. yeah, we drove along the coast and like stayed in an Airbnb. Oh my gosh, it was so nice and so real. I slept ten hours every night naturally. Good. Good. Yeah, your body's like, recharge. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to bed at like 9 and waking up at 7. Good. It was so great. Yeah. It was so great. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> it felt supernatural, and I'm like, okay, so that's telling me my bedtime needs to be earlier than it is, and also my wake-up time tends to be earlier than than I would naturally think. Yeah. But also, like, there's a two-hour time difference, so maybe that has something to do with it, but I think I was just... I, <laughs> maybe at like the tail end or like in the beginning and then coming yeah. back, but middle of yeah, the Yeah, I think I just want that much sleep and I'm not getting it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know. Always trying to figure out how to bump, bump yeah. that around. I don't know how to make that happen. Because like, also if you get home late, you don't want to go to bed right away. No. You're like, I want some decompressed time. I want some me time. And that usually involves being awake. So I gotta work on that plan. It's hard to wind down. I, uh, I'm a big fan of sleep, and I feel like it's something I try to protect. But also, last week or two weeks ago, I treated myself to a Fitbit. So now, Ooh, now I can, you know the truth. Now I can see my sleep. And last Friday was the last session that I was teaching of the early AM body adapt. So like six AM had to be here, which was great. And usually, like Thursday evenings, wind down because I'm up even earlier. Um, but I'm. I brought chocolate back in, and Uh-oh. I'm such a weenie <laughs> when it comes to chocolate. I had, like, a couple squares, I swear, at, like, 7.30 p.m. on Thursday, and I was up until midnight. Because body was like, hey, what's up? Yeah, you, you had can't. that crazy chocolate? Yeah, you can't do that. No. Nope. Learned my lesson, and then really saw it on the Fitbit screen. It's like, look at all those awake times. Yeah, all these times Ooh. I woke up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, I have been having a hard time going to bed like mind racing type of thing mm. uh, since I've gotten back and so the strategy that I used last night was I put in earplugs 
which I have frequently because we have Airbnb renters and like I don't want them to wake me up or yeah. feel like they're waking me up. Yeah. Um, so I just wear earplugs. But then I put in my earplugs and I had Josh read me a story. Aww. And so like it was kind of muffled. I couldn't yeah. really hear what he was saying, but I, my brain was like not really paying attention to other things like to-do lists mm-hmm. in my head. And the next thing I know, I was drifting off like a baby. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great like tool. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> he said it was a scary story. I don't remember any of it. So it doesn't even matter. Just Didn't hearing scare him, me. Just hearing his voice. Yeah, it was reading. like yeah, And the next perfect. thing I know, I was done. <laughs> Zombies, skeletons. Yeah. Is it like Halloween story? Because you two are pretty into Halloween. We are our house is Halloween right now. Oh. Like every surface is Halloween out. Yeah. So yeah. If, yeah, if you want to see a Halloween house, like, you just got to come take it to her. Do you two dress up to hand out Halloween candy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have yeah. costumes I actually planned? took the night off. Good. That night. Like, I switched with somebody so that I could make sure that I was home, like, by three. So Aww. I could get ready yeah. in costume by four. Because that's when kids start coming in our neighborhood. Because so, there's babies and stuff. Yeah. And they want to be out before it's, like, super dark, too. Oh, yeah. They're, they're usually home before dark. <laughs> like, the littlest ones. Yeah. So what's your costume? Well, I just have like so I've considered maybe doing like a more extreme costume. I kind of wanted to be Gamora mm. from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Because she has the same hair color that I have right now. Like yeah. she has like dark roots and like pink ends. That'd be awesome. But I don't know if I really want to paint my whole face green. <laughs> like I watched a Gamora makeup DIY on YouTube and I was yeah. like, that's a lot of stuff I have to buy. Right. And then I don't know what to wear for the costume. So I thought uh, I have a bunch of costumes upstairs. Like, I have so many witch costumes, like big, creepy velvet ball gowns and Ooh. things that I'll probably just use one of those. That sounds awesome, though. Yeah, they're a little moth stinky. Like they smell like mothballs because they, yeah. But whatever. Don't you think witches can smell, smell like mothballs? Yeah. <laughs> so I there's a ton of costumes up there, so I can just choose whichever one I want. Sweet. <laughs> and I haven't worn them all. Okay. Well, hey. But pick of the litter. Yeah, I tried to get PD a costume. Yeah, it did not work out. Why? If you look on my Instagram, you can see why. <laughs> it's too small for him. Uh oh, he's and a small dog too. I know he's a small dog, and I got a medium, and it's a uh, Ewok True. costume because everyone's always been like, you have to get PD an Ewok costume. Yeah. So I measured him, and it came in the mail, and I put it on him, and it's way too tight, and so Weird. I put it on, and he was just froze. <laughs> he just stood there frozen and then, like, was looking at me up through his... Like, when a dog looks at you and you can see the white of their eyes because they're so freaked out, <laughs> that's what he was doing. Yeah. So that costume is not going to work out. I don't even know. Is it, like, chihuahua-sizing? I don't he's know. Not I don't bigger understand. Than a I mean, it even said the length of body and all that, and yeah. I measured his body, but whatever. Wow. So it's too small. Ugh, it's really sad. But he could still wear the head part, but he won't. <laughs> He shook it off immediately. He's so. just, like, uncomfortable. Because he's yeah. pretty good at wearing, like, He sweaters wears sweaters, yeah. He just doesn't want to wear... Yeah, so he'll probably just go with the staple. He's always been a dinosaur every year. Oh, I I, I know that costume. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad one at all. Yeah, it's a great costume, so... Yeah. And he's gotten a lot of costumes as gifts over the years, but they're all too small. Wow. Like, I think... Dog costume sizing is confusing because it's like, well, you know what? Same with humans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, but everyone thinks he's a small or extra small, and yeah. the, and he's not in the dog costume world. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so they get him. Like, he has an Elmo costume that's like really fitted on him. Like the head doesn't go up over the head. Oh, like no. I just need to make him a costume one year, but yeah, I'm not really willing to figure out how to sew, like dog armholes. Like where do those go on the body? I don't even know. Maybe you just buy a sock. And then cut holes in it. Yeah. And or then glue feathers use, to it. Yeah. I can, that's true. <laughs> you that's bird. true. I can just get a big tube sock. That's actually a good idea. You're welcome. You have a whole year to work on it for next year. Okay. Big tube sock or big leg warmer. Oh, yeah. Because he's bigger than a tube sock. Yeah. TBH. Yeah, TBH. <laughs> cut some holes in the where the arms could be. Yeah. And I have plenty of, um, like, sweaters for him I could use to, like, figure out where that's the holes go at least. Easy. And then... Tube sock. Oh, tube sock and feathers. I'm going to go to Michael's, maybe, this afternoon, yeah. craft store, and see if I can find a big old sock. Yeah. Well, or Target is going to have large socks as well. That's true. <laughs> Cause, or tights, really, is what I'm looking for. Oh, yeah. I might even 
Oh my god, PDs. Yeah, not I even ready even for some. what is about to happen. I know. Well, what is Hazel gonna wear a costume? No, I I fall into the opposite camp. I don't dislike Halloween. Mm, you but just shut off all your lights. <laughs> I leave out like a big bowl of candy, and then I'm like, fingers crossed that there isn't some stinky kid who takes all the candy because there are a lot of kids in my neighborhood. Yeah. So I like to participate that way, but like. Hazel, I got her. <laughs> the first year I had her, I had a Batman onesie, and I found a Robin onesie for a baby at Target and thought it would fit Hazel. And oh, same thing. that would have to be a big baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was smaller at the time. She was pretty, pretty thin when I got her. Um, but yeah, it still would have had to be a pretty big baby. <laughs> With, like, big arms. Yeah, but she wore the cape. There was, like, a detachable cape. Oh, okay, good. Um, so that's the only costume that she's worn. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, now I'm picturing Petey dressed as Liberace, so. Oh, snap. Yeah, can you see it? I yeah. can see that, a Liberace costume. <laughs> I'm just going to see if there is a such thing right now. Liberace dog costume. There is. Oh, my God. There's, it's just pictures of Liberace with his dogs. Oh. Because <laughs> apparently he had a bunch of poodles. <laughs> All right, anyway. Maybe Petey dresses up as Liberace's poodle. A bunch <sighs> of cotton balls. Yes. Petey could totally be a poodle for Halloween. Yeah. You could be Liberace. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Now I'm having all sorts of ideas. <laughs> anyway. Oh, our subject for the week. Yeah. Jays. Um, Jays. I just keep on, I want to keep checking in. I feel like there's so I much know. to talk about. I know. How was last week with Liz? It was awesome to listen to. Yes. So last week was a wonderful episode with my buddy Liz Winters, who lives out in Portland. I know, and I didn't, I went to her gym while I was there, but she was not there. Yeah. She teaches, I think, like midday classes. It was a midday class. Ah, Darn it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And coaches, or Coach Danielle, who was at Sulcana, is now a member of Intrepid Athletics, is at CrossFit Gym out there. Such a small world. Um, and Liz texted me saying that she met Hope as well. Anyway, it's a teeny tiny world. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, miss those people. So, conversation with Liz was awesome. All about postpartum wellness and like functional fitness, um, which is a total realm that I like know nothing about. Well, also it's a total. It's a realm where you can get a lot of misinformation and you can get selective information. Like you could yeah. Google postpartum. No, never work out, and you'll find an article that's like never work out after you have a child. Yeah, and yeah. then you'll find the opposite. So yeah, you know, it's like what's the truth? Yeah, know? where's that balanced information? So Liz was a great wealth of information for that. Go listen if you haven't already. And then the week before that, I had Amy Gautier on here. So good. Yeah, so good. Takes beautiful photos of food. Runs yeah. the food. Ugh, I love that website so much. Runs the website. A is for appetite. Um, and has a history with celiac disease. So it's really cool being able to talk a little bit more about being gluten-free. Um, I don't have celiac, but I've been gluten-free for a long time, and I don't feel good when I have gluten, so it's always fun for me to meet someone who has had that shared history. Yeah, yeah. and her website is great, and it there's like a wide diversity of recipes on there. Lots of recipes. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're tasty mm-hmm. as well. So, yes, um, those have been the last couple weeks for me and the blog. Or not the blog, the podcast. Lots going on with my blog too, but that's subject for a different day. The blogcast. The blogcast. <laughs> um, we did get interest in one day doing a live episode, whether it's virtual or what? in person. Somebody wants it. Mm-hmm. Who? Just one person. Just one in front of one person. Well, I put the ask out there, so someone already. I asked this morning, and someone oh. said, "Yeah, I'd be so into that." Oh, so, watch out, listeners. You, you might see your faces when we're talking. Yeah, It'd be weird. My favorite murder is doing a live event. This they just did a live event last night. Last night, yeah. I think it sold out in like thirteen seconds. Oh my god, I bet. So I don't know if ours would do the same, but <laughs> no, I think ours would be a little bit different. Uh, I think it could be cool to do a virtual one. Anyway, I had coffee today, Uh-oh. so I feel like my brain is in the other room. I didn't. <laughs> I did not have coffee. I've been off of coffee. This is, if you've been listening for a while, you know I'm on and off coffee all the time, but I've been off of it and it felt really good. And then I brought it back in and it feels really good too. So anyway, let's talk about subjects. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid it while I'm like avoiding this sickness because I, mm-hmm. I just have, uh, I've noticed when I drink coffee, it makes me more likely to cough. Mm-hmm. I think mostly just because it makes my whole body more reactive. Yeah. So all of a sudden I'm like, uh, 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 oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. No coughing. Yeah. Mm-mm. Please. Um, so today we're talking about tension mm-hmm. and hypertension. That's right. Um, I thought maybe you could start with tension and oh. then I'll go into hypertension. What that yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Just hyper, no hypo, huh? 
Uh, not today. There's too much to say about hypo. Mm. And hypo, yeah, it's not as interesting. It yeah, is interesting. Uh, hypo, <laughs> uh, just slow. God, Gosh, less of, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, you know, when you think about tension for an athlete, there's, like, a lot that we can talk about. Yeah. There's a whole wide range of things that we could discuss. Like, what when you think of tension and you're just, like, wondering, what are some things that you're wondering about? So, I think if I, if I weren't coming from, like, having been in a gym like yours, I would probably only associate tension with, like, a negative like connotation like oh like you're tense or you're holding your muscles the wrong way but now I feel like I think of that but then I also think well no there's appropriate tension to mm-hmm. have and to hold when you're doing especially like um strength movements yes so that's what I think of yeah so there's that piece of things which is oh, okay well what is tension actually useful for then there's also this other piece that maybe athletes would be interested in, in which is when do our muscles have maximum tension mm-hmm. and when do they hold maximum tension and then there's this other piece of, like, why do I feel like I hold tension yes. when I'm not working out? Right. So, I don't know. Those are three pretty big chunks. So, I'm going to do my best to tackle the middle one mm. um, and maybe a little bit of the other two. Cool. But, so, let's start with why tension. Why would we value tension? Well, <laughs> a lot of different <laughs> reasons. Number one, if you – when your muscles – are under tension, they are um, exerting force, right? So if you wanted to do something, like even just um, like grab something in your hand, Mm -hmm. your muscles have to exert some force on your pen or pencil or whatever in order to hold it in place. So obviously that is a benefit to you because then you can hold on to that thing and you're able to use it. Those are obvious ones we think about all the time. But then the, maybe the less obvious one that becomes more obvious the more you work out is the idea that you're trying to hold muscle tension to create force, to exert force instead of exerting force with a different part of your body. Right. So, like, if I bend over at the waist or at the hips and I'm keeping my back loose and I go to reach something, if I pick up a sandbag that's 50 pounds or a bag of Morton salt for my water softener, which yeah. I don't have... <laughs> Does anyone have one of those? <laughs> like my parents did, but I never actually owned one. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think it, these days it's like the water filters. Yeah, I mean, Brita. who the heck can afford a water softener? Anyway, um, so let's say you go, you, you bend over to pick up a, a bag of salt for the road. road there you go, salt. the road yeah. salt, Minnesota road. Yeah, salt. Minnesota oh, road yeah. salt. And you, you, either way, that fifty pound bag or thirty pound bag is gonna exert some force on your body because that's how force works right it's equal and opposite right yep. so then your body is going to exert an opposite pulling force to balance it out so either you can do that by letting your bones do it <laughs> and your ten and your tendons yeah. and your ligaments or you can exert that force through a contraction of your muscle by creating tension and lifting the object up so you can guess which one would be less likely to cause injury. Yeah, I think the second one. Yeah. <laughs> Choosing to create that appropriate tension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is why people are like, lift with the legs. And uh, what they're actually saying is like create tension in the body mm-hmm. versus letting your back round and soften and then trying to pick something up that direction because you're not actually using any sort of mus- muscle tension or contraction right. to lift the object. So. Tension is really important. Yeah. It's what keeps your body safe, healthy, active, um, and strong. And that's when we're when we're lifting and we're building muscle. A lot of what we're trying to do is create more tension right. and uh, greater force with our muscles. So that's just like the short the short for that one. Yeah. So then I guess it's the question is like what exactly is tension and when do your muscles have um, maximal or minimal tension? So you, because so you know, like, how do you make the best choice about how to lift something or right. uh, how to interact with an object? Because right. I still, I think if you don't, if you don't spend a lot of time working out, you don't even think about those things. Oh my God, it's like that body awareness. Yeah. Like I, I feel like it wasn't until the last year, and I've been doing CrossFit on and off, or had been for a number of years before that, it wasn't until the last year, it's like, oh, I can finally feel the muscles on like the back of my body yeah could not feel them even though they were apparently maybe being used for <laughs> however many workouts for years before that right. 
So I think it's so that awareness is like, it, it's key. Yeah. It's key. Yep. And it's also like for efficiency, knowing how your body works for efficiency is important because generally efficiency means safer, yeah. uh, healthier, better for your system. Uh, but inefficient movement usually is when things become slightly problematic. So, okay. So let's just say that we've, we've talked about muscle fiber before on the show. Um, we won't get too worried about that, about like different uh, types of fibers in your muscles. But let's think about instead like muscle lengthening or shortening. So your, your ability to create tension in your muscle is increased or decreased depending on the lengthening or shortening of the muscle. So your ability to actually generate tension is going to be increased or decreased depending on the length. So if you think about it like a curve, like either super lengthened or super shortened for your muscle, there's a perfect point uh, where your mus- muscle is almost fully lengthened, where it's at a point of stretch, where you are now at maximum capability for tension. Mm-hmm. So if you think about your arm and you, let's just think about the bicep. So you can kind of like point to where your bicep is on your body and get a little squeeze. Appreciate yeah. how strong it is. Oh, it's so pumped. If you were to contract that muscle and shorten it as much as possible, that, that means you're reaching in like arm in towards shoulder, like you're squeezing your arm shut. At this point, your bicep is at its least at the position where it's least likely to create tension. So if, if I'm my arm is all the way squeezed in and then I try to pull against something, there's no tension being there's very little tension that I can create right then. Right. Because my muscle is already shortened. If I were to lengthen my arm out, extend your arm all the way out to normal, and then go just slightly beyond that to a point where you feel like there's a little bit of a stretch in your bicep tendon, and then you grab um, grab an imaginary object and now bring that to your shoulder as hard as you can, that's their maximum tension point. So when you're at your full length, right, and when you're hitting that stretch point, but not when you're, like, you don't want your arm behind you mm-hmm. where you're at full stretch in your bicep because you yeah. tried to pull something from there. You know, just from experience, that it would be harder to do. You yeah. can create create maximal tension. If you have your dumbbell in your hand just right in front of you with a little bit of extension in your arm, your your muscle is more likely to be able to create maximum tension from that point. There's a difference between being in maximal tension and being able to create maximal tension. Mm. Obviously, when my arm, when my muscle is fully lengthened, I'm not currently in maximal tension. But if I want to create, like, max effort, if I want to put maximum effort into something, that's going to be the best place to do it from. It's sort of like the idea of potential energy versus kinetic energy. Like, maybe when I'm, when my arm is all the way in, uh, then... I'm actually exerting tension on something versus when my arm is all the way out. But my, when my arm is all the way out, that's when I have the most ability to create maximal tension in the muscle itself. Right, because you have that broader range. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. And also because there is more overlap of your muscle fiber at this full lengthening point than when it's all the way constricted. So, And the more overlap there is, the more tension you can build in the muscle. Sure. Um, so... Why does that matter? <laughs> Why do we even care? Because that's that whole reaction is how we uh, justify using range of motion in workouts. Mm. So when we talk about like, okay, we want you to go to full depth in a squat and we want you to stand up all the way on the way out. The reason that we say that, like as coaches, the reason we talk about that is because we know that, or maybe we don't know, but we experienced <laughs> this through our training that at full length of your muscle, that's when you're able to uh, produce the most tension and exert the most force on an object, like on a barbell, Mm -hmm. versus if you shorten that range of motion or you start in a shortened range of motion and then you try to exert force. You're not going to be able to create as much tension in your body, and so therefore you won't feel as strong and you won't be able to exert as much force on the object. It's not just to make the people do more work in the workout, a deeper squat and a fuller jump or what have you? Right. (laughs) I mean, actually, it would be more work to try to stop that halfway through. Right. Um, But, you know, and some people will use that for training, like pausing at a point is a great way to train while you're midway through tension so you're not like releasing and then uh, regaining tension because if you think about a squat like you're going to start when you're standing 
Um, your glutes are now contracted and your hamstrings are lengthened. And as you start to squat down, you're contracting your hamstrings and you're lengthening your glutes. So at the top, your hamstrings have their maximum tension potential. And at the bottom of your squat, your glutes now have their maximum tension mm. potential. And you're at a, a weak biometric point. You're like at a weak uh, point for your body. So in order to turn yourself around from the squat, you have to exert maximum tension into your glutes in order to stand up. Who knew there was so much going on? I know. So Neo much squat. Body science going on. <laughs> and I'm not a biomechanist. Mechanist? Biomechanic? Biomechanics? Either. Biomechanist. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. Uh, either way, but this is, so this is like very, very basic overview of what's happening, but I think it's helpful to think about when, when you're thinking about the way you're training your body. And if you're trying to pinpoint like what exactly is going wrong or going right when you're moving, you can start to think about like where is it that, you're, that you need to exert the most force so that your body is exerting force and in what part of your body is that happening. And I think that can be so helpful to build, like you're saying, but build that awareness. Especially yeah. for people who are coming into a gym, and I am one of those people where it's like you don't even, might not even realize that you are lacking some awareness. Yeah. Because of maybe different ways that your body's been moving throughout the whole year, multiple years, your whole life. Yeah. And then you come into a new space and it has to move in a new way. So I think it's super important to be thinking about. Why? Yeah, exactly. And and also it's helpful for you to think about if your coach is like, extend your arms at the top of a push press. Um, yeah, they're doing it because it's it's like it's going to increase the efficacy of your movement. Like your, your movement will be more beautiful, mm-hmm. will be more functional if you're extending your arm all the way at the top of a push press. But also it's going to help you increase the amount of tension that you can produce when you bring that bar back down and try to turn it around again. Like, you just can't create as much tension if you're going to shorten your range of motion. Sure. Um, that being said, people do use that shortened range of motion as a training tool. Uh, bodybuilders generally use that. Mm. I won't touch too much on that today. We can maybe save that for another episode. I think we might have mentioned it briefly in some other episode, too. Like, I think we were talking about getting at your pump on. Or oh, like yeah. Kind of visually. So many. I can't even think of what it is, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. We definitely have talked about that before. Yeah. Um, so that's a specific training tool you can use, and usually that's used for the look mm-hmm, the more aesthetic. so than anything else. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what? so be it. If that's what you want, heck. Right. The training tools are there for you. Yeah. Can. You have a body. Go for it. Yeah. But the reason that your coach is harping on you for range of motion is not just because they like the way it looks. <laughs> because you want to get to a point where you can produce maximal tension um, under load or not under load in yeah. your body in all your different muscle groups. Right. It's more functional. Yeah, exactly. So then, can you hear my papers? <laughs> this is me thinking. It's well researched. Yeah, because <laughs> I have paper. <laughs> we should just crumple paper, and then everyone will be like, "Wow, they really think hard." Yeah. Um. So then, if we think about um, the stretch reflex reaction, we can kind of use that idea of lengthening and shortening your muscles, mm-hmm. um, and we can translate it into force. So there is another graph that you can picture in your mind um, where you can think about the amount of force that you're able to produce. Actually, it might be easier if you kind of like picture yourself holding a stretchy band. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you have a stretchy band in front of you and you're at and you're holding it and it's not currently not stretched, if I pull on either side of that band or pull on one side of that band and now I am lengthening that band the amount of tension in the band is increased the force is still the same that the force that it's putting on me is the same that I'm putting on it but if I let go of that band from that lengthened point it's going to exert a greater force onto the system than if I start with that band slightly bent if I let go, it's not going to produce as much force. So if we think about that lengthening and contracting, we're also thinking about lengthened muscles that's having a greater ability to produce force, not just tension, to produce force on another, on an object, um, like either the air or some resistance band that sure. you're using, or the earth or whatever, whatever you're using. Like if we're doing push-ups mm. or suddenly we're weighting the push-ups, so now we're changing that amount of force that we have to give. Um 
And when we think about the stretch reflex reaction, which is something that coaches talk about all the time, when they harp on you to do things like, go to full extension. No. <laughs> the reason they're telling you that is because when your muscle reaches maximum length, so when it's getting to a point where it is just about to reach a length that could potentially be damaging for the muscle, you get a signal from your body that automatically tells your muscle to forcibly contract to act as a protective mechanism. So if you translate that to the snatch, for example, when you are snatching, you're pushing through your legs and you're snapping your quads, you're tensing your quads, you're opening up your hip flexor as far as possible and contracting your glutes and you're opening up that hip flexor as aggressively as you can all the way through your extension with the idea that if you can do that, if you can reach that maximum length in your hip flexor, then you can force a contraction that will bring you under the bar into a squat quickly and effectively, which is really hard to actually do when you're in the moment. (laughs) But that is why that works. That's why that works because you are forcing your muscles to quickly contract by lengthening them as far as you can. It's Mm -hmm. like if you pull a rubber band to the point where it's almost about to break and then you let it go. There's that really fast turnaround versus if you're just kind of like pulling it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, The same idea except for that it's an actual like neurological response. Your body is putting you in a protective mechanism. Um, Same thing happens if if you're leaping. If you're lengthening as hard as you can, that forcible contraction is actually going to make you be more aggressive, Mm. move further. Um, So people who do like, who do uh, plyometric sports, like use it constantly. Um, People who do explosive sports use it constantly. But really anybody who's moving from one end range, end of the range of motion to another is using that stretch reflex reaction. And it's happening like not if you know, if you're snatching, it's not just happening in your hip flexor. It's happening all throughout the system as you're going from the floor. Your whole body. Yeah, to the finished position. There's right. all sorts of areas that are moving through a stretch reflex reaction. It's mm-hmm. happening in your shoulders as well. It's happening in your glutes. Um, you're forcing a really hard contraction and then a quick lengthening. Yeah. Coming from the bottom, you're hitting the bottom of your squat, full lengthening in your glutes, and then snapping to a stand. So, um, like, when you see somebody bounce out of the bottom of a squat, that's what's happening. Hmm. They're not really, like, necessarily muscle-to-muscle bouncing. It's that full lengthening of your your muscle system and then quick uh, um, contraction and response. So, I'm a big fan of the stretch reflex response. (laughs) It's very useful. Yeah, it makes things really great. But uh, if you've been, you know, curious about why it is that your coach is like, you need to finish your extension. Like, that is what they're telling you. That's why they're telling you that. That's why people tell you to open your hips when you jump. Mm. Right? Because you're going to, if you limit the length of the the muscle, then you're going to limit the ability to create tension. And I I would imagine, too, that if you're doing that, one time, if you're trying to train a certain movement, having more reps at that kind of appropriate spectrum of moving the muscle is going to help train it so that it'll remember to do that next time. Yeah, exactly. So if you're doing wall balls, but you're kind of not getting all the way down into your squat, then the next time you do wall balls, if that's happening time and time again, your body's probably going to get used to less range of motion versus full range of motion. And not even that it'll get used to it as much as you'll just be weak at your fullest length lengthening gotcha you'll you'll be stronger in the mid-range which is not really as useful sure yeah so you'll do a bunch of wall balls that way and the next thing you know you'll try to do a heavy squat and you won't be able to stand up Uh yeah because that's where you're at your biometric disadvantage when you're at this like full lengthening of your glutes like they they have the ability to produce maximum tension but you're also in a a disadvantaged position to do it so that's why you have to gain the strength to do it (laughs) that's why that's why a lot of people can when they first start like exercising they can sit in a squat, they can sit down, but then they can't stand up again. Mm. They can't make their muscles activate in that like disadvantaged position where there is zero muscle tension. They can't actually create any, even though they're in a position to be advantageous to do it. Right. Because it just there's too much force weighing down on them to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. I know. <laughs> I know. So yeah, speaking of like training for the things that you actually want to be able to do, um, The other thing I just wanted to mention is that time 
and tension have a relationship too. Like, you're not able to create your maximum tension within an an immediate. Mm. Well, it takes like half a second, but (laughs) in the world of sports, half a second is a long time. Yeah. So, like, if you're on the starting blocks for a sprint and if you're uh, under-trained or you're just an average person... (laughs) Yeah, you're not not just like a sprinter. Um, Your time off the blocks, if it takes you 0.5 seconds to activate maximal tension and then maintain that tension, you're going to appear and act, you know, actively be a lot slower than somebody else. Right. So if you kind of imagine a, a graph with time on the bottom and tension on the side, there's a there's a curve where uh, your tension will shoot up over the first few parts of a second and then it will taper off and stay the same for a while at maximal effort Mm. and then it can start to go down over time but we're just kind of thinking about that beginning part so like a sprinter might have a faster rise in there like they might be able to get to that maximal tension faster because they consistently train it Mm -hmm. um and then like somebody who's very weak might take a lot longer to get to that maximal tension point and they might not be able to reach it you know, reach a very high tension point right, right away. Right. Yeah. But the average person is like somewhere around half a second. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, half a second. I know. I know, but it really does, like, your body does things so quickly you don't think about. Right. Like, how how long it is to actually have it be a half second. Right. Like, when's the last time you had a thought about moving your hand and then watched it take a half second for it to move. Oh, right. Totally. <laughs> right. No, yeah. When you think about time and that yeah. arena, yeah. things do happen exactly. so quickly. Exactly. So for to ask your body for maximal tension and have to have your body wait, you know, take a full half second to get there, yeah, um, yeah that can be kind of stressful. Right. Especially yeah. if you're in like a competitive sport. Yeah. You're competing yes. against yourself or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it makes you slower yeah. to reach that point. So then when you're thinking about that graph and you're trying to think about like ways to train that high tension, what you want to do is think about that time domain. Because like, for example, let's think about a squat. Um, if you're doing bodyweight squats, you're you're never going to reach your maximal tension. Well, not never. But after a while, you're not going to be reaching maximal tension yep. anymore. So now you need to start increasing the amount of tension that you can put on. But at some point, you can only generate so much tension in your muscle. The only that way that you can train any differently then is the time that it takes you under that amount of tension. Oh, okay. But I don't mean like... Um, tempo squats yeah which we've talked about before yeah um when we're talking about muscle fiber and muscle breakdown but i'm talking about um if you reach like a 70 percent effort squat 70 percent weight probably your tension in your muscle is going to be exactly the same as it would be for the 100 percent weight Mm. the amount of tension your muscles are able to produce but the time that it takes you to complete the movement is a lot slower when you're at maximal weight which is where visually you see people struggling yeah. in like to come out of the bottom of a squat of yeah. their heaviest squat. Yeah. But they do it. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not talking about the kind of training where you force yourself to go slower mm-hmm. because that is not uh, that that isn't necessarily gonna lead to increased tension. True. Being in maximal attention for a longer period of time because that is how long it is taking you to be under tension at that for that thing that you're doing. Yeah, that's how you can train slightly greater tension in your muscle. So by training heavier, yes, versus like heavyish, yes, with like a tempo. Yes, added. exactly. Gotcha. And <laughs> if you don't want to train heavier, another way you can do that is to train greater range of motion. So like if you've been doing a bunch of Jumping, uh, jumping squats, but you're doing it from like a standing start, uh, and you want to get better at jumping tall, then you should actually do more jumping squats from the bottom range of motion mm. because your tension is the same, but it takes you longer to get through it and longer to express that full amount of tension, right. which in the end will help you have increased tension at a faster rate. Right. So that's the, that's that's like a yeah. a workout truth bomb right there. Yeah. So, but. <laughs> 
the, th- the thing is, like, there's so many things we talk about on the show that are like, here's a way to train this, here's a way to train this. Yeah. And that's the reason that people include so many different types of accessory work mm-hmm. and why focusing on one specifically isn't going to, like, solve all of your problems. Right. So we talked about using tempo work before as a way to control full range of motion, as a way to build um, your your ability to contract in the mid-range as as a way to change muscle fiber uh, to or to activate slow twitch versus fast twitch. We've talked about all that stuff before. Um, and now just in terms of like maintaining or accessing tension in your muscle, mm-hmm. and we're talking about training heavier or at fuller ranges of motion. Right. So, you, ha- you know, it's a little bit of everything all at once. Your body is a dynamic, incredible thing, and your muscles, even though they might seem simple, <laughs> are very complex and require – not require, but can are adaptable to many, many different environments. Right. So depending on what you want, yeah, you yeah think about some of the things that are going on in your body. Well, and I think that ties nicely into kind of that the idea of what like CrossFit is offering to people. So it's not just like three moves and you're done. It's this whole range of moves that are always varied and changing day to day and week to week, even within a cycle or a set like idea of a progression. You're training these muscles and just a host of different ways yeah so that they can get used to being under duress or exerting that effort in different yeah ways. i just think it's interesting to think about for people who are um maybe sprint athletes who I, you know i think a lot of sprint athletes are told to train only in one specific way that just reinforces only those sprint movements yeah. like slightly shortened range of motions only explosive um and explosive is great but and lengthening the range of motion might also help you become more explosive. If you add in, add in things like deadlifts, you're at full lengthening and contraction in a full range of motion under heavy load. That's that's a pretty great way to increase your ability to reach tension. And I, th- I think that's something that you've seen, or maybe people have seen, with like runners coming or like a endurance or distance athletes coming into like a CrossFit setting. And being like, well, how is this actually going to help me run if yeah. I'm not running? And then they do cross it for six months, and then they get a better time. Yeah, I'm like, just let me prove it to you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> should we sit down and talk about all the ways that it will help? <laughs> and, like, how deep do you want to go? Well, now just listen to this episode, and then let's work out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, the, la- the last thing I'll touch on is just this idea of tension and force and lengthening and contracting of your muscles is interesting when you think about eccentric versus isometric versus concentric movements so meaning like if you hold out your arm again and you pull your hand up towards your shoulder that's your concentric movement for your bicep and then if you go from your shoulder down back again to a straight arm that's your eccentric movement and then if you hold it in the middle and don't let it go either direction that's your isometric movement got it so like a plank is an isometric movement yeah, uh, a, sl- a pull-up is a concentric movement for your biceps, and then a slow-release eccentric pull-up, yeah. that's going to be an eccentric version uh, movement for your bicep. So when we know that when we're at um, that, that medium to maximal length, we're actually able to create more tension and therefore more force. If you're moving through an eccentric movement at maximal effort, Versus the concentric movement at maximal effort because they don't, they only can compare each other to each other at maximal effort. Sure. Just to be clear, yeah. so it's not. I'm not saying like eccentric movements are somehow better than concentric movements moving quickly because yeah. that's not true. Um, but if you're if you're looking to train a maximal effort, an eccentric movement can actually produce more force and thereby actually help you increase overall strength mm. and uh, you know. Im- increase some of the <laughs> this is where I wish maybe maybe today could have been the live recording where people could see what hand movement Hannah's just made <laughs> do it again okay <laughs> so if you're if you're, when your muscle is moving from it through the eccentric position under maximal effort those movements actually create greater force even though they're under like a low velocity of force right so they're you're you're going pretty slowly through that movement um and that's that's part of the reason people use that for training so like i can create exert greater force on my muscle through the eccentric and therefore help my muscle become better through the concentric movement 
uh, it's a great way to train the movement. So, yeah. like, I always have people do eccentric pull-ups when they're learning how to do pull-ups and can't do them yet. Yeah. Because moving through the range of motion in the reverse, going as slowly as possible, maintaining as much tension as possible, is it going to increase the rate of force that the muscle produces and therefore is produced on the muscle. It's really hard, too. Yeah, like it's a pull really up hard. negative or, like, slowly yeah. releasing. Ooh, that, yeah. that totally trains it because you're like, this is really difficult. Exactly. It's going to help strengthen your muscle versus yeah. consistently trying to repeat the concentric um, and just expecting it to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, training the opposite can be really effective because of what we know about that tension and, and force piece. So, okay, in summary... If I could sum, easily summarize this, <laughs> um, your muscles are able to produce different amounts of tension at different lengths. And the reason that we worry about range of motion is because we are trying to always exert the most tension possible uh, and to utilize the stretch reflex response at any time we can. Right. So go all the way through the movement. And you can imagine that would also mean that um, activating your muscle length before you work out is important. Not necessarily stretching before you work out, yeah. but reaching full range of motion before you've reached before you try to reach full range of motion under duress. Like warming up. Yeah, like warming yeah. up. And then when you're not actively working out, maybe taking some time to increase range of motion. What? I know, because <laughs> science says <laughs> if you can increase your range of motion to that to that maximal point, where now you can generate more tension, you have the peak. You have your peak tension point. You're going to be a stronger athlete. So don't sit all day? Yeah. Be a flexible athlete. Be a stronger athlete. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, certainly there are people who are hyper-flexible and they have a hard time maintaining stability. Right. Because they're not at that peak point. They're gone, they've are gone. they gone beyond that to now where they're, it's mostly passive. Yeah. Not mostly. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> where maybe it's reached a little more towards the passive tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but... That's very rare, yeah. and you're probably not that person, so you need to go stretch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go stretch it out. All right, well, there's, uh, like I said, so much more to talk about with tension. <laughs> and I know that a lot of people out there deal with tension problems, like this state of, of activated muscle tension when they're not meant to be, Yeah. and that's sort of a different topic. Different animal. Yeah, it's a different topic, because really that, now we're talking about stress. Yeah. And stress response. And I'm talking more about, like, the actual mechanics of the way that tension works in your muscles. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. I see one big shrug from Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I mean, yes. There's probably a lot of us out there who have, like, oh, I hold tension in my shoulders. I hold tension in my hips. Yep. Where your muscles are at that halfway tense point. Mm-hmm. I wish it was a natural thing, but it's totally... It's totally a stress response. Yeah, and actually, it'd be really cool to get someone on here who could talk about the like the idea of like emotional releases yeah. when you're like releasing muscles and kind of what that pathway is about. Yeah, it can sound really woo woo, but if you just like kind of break it down, it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, when someone's holding stress in the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good subjects. There you go. <laughs> I learn so much every time. <laughs> um. Okay. I guess it's time to talk about hypertension. Okay. <laughs> also, we're very much related to stress, as we will talk about. Um, so, first and foremost, what is hypertension? Can you take a stab at it? Uh, no. Okay, cool. <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> hypertension. Like, is it? Is it like a? Jeez, I don't know. If high, if all it is is high blood pressure. Oh, I was gonna say, is it a blood thing? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Kind it's just, of. It's just another name for abnormally high blood pressure. So what's happening is the the reason high blood pressure is a problem is that this means that our blood is moving through our blood vessels and arteries with more force because of that increase in pressure. Which over time. Hey, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but wait, this is what we don't want to be happening. Over time, if that is continuing, if someone has chronic high blood pressure, that can potentially lead to damaging the walls of those arteries and blood vessels um, when that pressure and force is 24 7. So, resulting from that, hypertension, aka high blood pressure, is interesting because. In the moment, there aren't really a lot of symptoms or signs. It's really the fact that it's the blood pressure is high chronically and systemically that then leads to kind of a breakdown and malfunction of other processes. So when that hypertension is happening chronically, that can then place strain on your heart, 
leading that heart muscle to become weaker over time um, and therefore working less efficiently, which like we were just talking about, we want to be working as efficiently as possible. In addition, the small tears that can kind of build up in those artery walls, will our body will try to patch those tears with something like cholesterol and high cholesterol, bad, good, LDL, all that stuff is subject for a different episode. Yeah. Um, so I just much got to mine tested, by the way. Ooh. Looking good. Yay. <laughs> good. All those happy fats and yeah. all the vegetables that you're yeah. eating, too. Um, so when the cholesterol is trying to patch those small tears in the artery walls, that can lead up to a buildup of plaques over time and therefore additional complications in the heart or any other part of the body can then take place. So high blood pressure or being kind of pre-high blood pressure, if your blood pressure is starting to creep up, that's indicating that there's something off in the body um, and it's kind of a canary in the coal mine that if that is going to stay with you for a longer period of time, there are likely going to be other symptoms, diseases, or signs that are going to build off of that now less efficient system because of that increased pressure. So we don't want that. Um, so normal blood pressure, people tend you tend to get your blood pressure checked when you go to the doctor, right? We all have probably had it done now at some point. You can test it yourself too if you have a blood pressure cuff. Normal blood pressure, um, there are two numbers. So normal bl blood pressure is 120 over 80 or under. So that 120, the first number, is the systolic blood pressure. And that means when your heart is beating, what is the pressure? The other number, the 80 in this case for the normal range, is a diastolic pressure. And that's the pressure in the system when your heart is resting, so between beats, okay? So normal blood pressure below 120 over 80. Um, I don't want to hashtag humble brag, but I went to the doctor last week and my blood pressure was 100 over 60. Girl. So I'm not trying to like say I'm better than everybody else. I'm just saying I have a really good blood pressure. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Hopefully it, that's not too low. Well, we can talk about hypotension later. No, it's it's appropriate. Um, okay. But I, I will. I'm, she was like, hey, nice blood pressure girl. Totally. And you know when it's someone who's seen how many patients a yeah, day that right. like they're going to know whether it's appropriate or inappropriate. There can be hypotension subject for a different day. Um, I think I'm someone that can fall into some of that low pressure category where it's like, don't get like, don't fall over when you stand up too quickly. Right. Of Dizzy. Yeah. Um, that has to do with some adrenal stuff later though. So anyway, um, what's interesting when I was looking up stats for hypertension is that according to the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute 2015, about 65% of citizens of the United States over the age of 60 have hypertension. Oh. So over half of people over age 60. And in addition, nine in 10 Americans are expected to develop hypertension by age of 65. So like people in our age category and younger, A, we're seeing more hypertension, we're seeing more hypertension at younger and younger ages, and nine out of 10 of us are gonna experience hypertension as we get older. So it's kind of a big deal to be talking about, even though when we're experiencing it, especially in the beginning, there aren't necessarily signs and symptoms aside from the pressure is increased. Right. So with hypertension, um, what what I want people to be focusing on is that, you know, you can be on high blood pressure medications, you can be treating it with those medications and chemicals, but often, unfortunately, those medications are just treating that high number. So they're not really looking at that root cause. And if someone is in like an acute um, situation where their blood pressure is completely increased, um, which can happen because of stress and other factors that can increase it in the moment if someone is also coming in with a history of chronic high blood pressure. Um, great, we want to be treating that. We want to get that pressure off of the system. But for chronic high blood pressure, we want to be looking at more of those root causes. So any guesses what a root cause of high blood pressure might be? Um, high blood sugar. <laughs> Sugar, for sure. Yeah? Yep. Uh, caffeine. <laughs> caffeine. So stressors. Really? Stressors stress. on stress. And anything that's stressing your body out. Yes. Um, caffeine can be stressful because it's promoting a release of stress hormones, right? Or increasing cortisol and adrenaline. So sure. Anything else comes to mind? Oh, just like 
lack of sleep, maybe. Yeah. Lack of exercise. Yep. Um, inflammation. Yeah, I'm checking off all my <laughs> list, which is on a computer screen. I don't have a single paper. <laughs> alcohol. Um, alcohol. Sure. So depressants on the body and pro-inflammatory foods and drinks. I would guess uh, quite a few um, prescription medications would mm-hmm. also have some side effects on your blood pressure. Yeah, and that is an interesting note to make about um, blood pressure medication is that if someone is on that chronically and they're just treating high blood pressure instead of looking at that deeper cause, often those medications are coming with their own host of side effects. And then typically what you can see, and this happens I think with many medications, is that then you start to treat the side effects with other medications and it's like this branch from a tree of effects, side effects, medication, effects, side effects, medication. Um, So looking at those foundational pieces of the puzzle when we're considering how to start to lower blood pressure, it's going to be what we always talk about. So stress management, right? Like actually looking at what is stressing my body out? How are my sleep levels? How is my emotional health and well-being, right? What is stuff at work like? What am I stressing out about? How is my body able to decompress? What am I feeding myself? How am I moving my body, mm-hmm. right? None of this stuff is rocket science. Um, for the foods, as a general recap, reducing foods that stress our bodies out, some of those major stressors are going to be refined oils, refined sugars, refined starches, refined salts, and low-nutrient options. So salt is a interesting one, right? Yeah, I think people talk about that a lot in terms of high blood pressure. I was just sitting next to somebody at breakfast the other day at the table next to us, And we both ordered this thing called savory porridge, which was, like, Mm. a savory vegetable dish that had, like, polenta in it or something. Yeah. It was while I was in Portland. It was really tasty. And she got hers, and she was like, this is too salty. There's too much salt in here. This salt salt isn't even healthy for me. I can't have this. I can't have all this salt. I was just like, is that really (laughs) It's probably great Portland Is that what it too. is? Like, yeah. what, what is it, what's the deal? What is she talking about? Yeah, so first, with looking at how to lower blood pressure levels, often people are mineral deficient, so trying to um, get a, a bigger range and more minerals in, aside from just sodium, can be quite helpful. Incorporating more potassium, and you'll actually see people who are put on like a low-salt, low-sodium diet, they'll use something called like new salt or potassium salt that is a sodium replacement, and you're really just sprinkling potassium on your food instead of salt. So that can work. Um, People typically do respond to increasing their potassium stores pretty well. Um, However, I would say kind of the biggest switch for people to be considering is not that salt is bad, but that there are different types of salt. And the foods that we we need to start to look at having um, some power over our salt intake. Because too much sodium is not gonna be great for any human body, but we also do need salt coming in to some degree. So first step is to be taking out refined salts, so table salt, kosher salt. I know some people love their kosher salt, but taking that out and opting for sea salt or Himalayan pink salt or Celtic sea salt, any of those fancier salts, they will have gone through less processing. Um, So our body will more fully recognize the salt itself and be able to use it more appropriately. And those salts are often come with some assortment of other trace minerals. So they're a little bit more balanced instead of being just solely sodium. Um, But then on top of that, removing foods that have had salt added. Mm. And typically what this means is choosing... Chips. Yeah. (laughs) Choosing to have foods that you are salting on your plate on the finished dish. If you look, I wish I had the numbers pulled up, but I did it once for a different class. Um, The number, the difference in like the milligrams of salt and sodium that you're getting in between choosing to salt a soup and getting a soup that's like from a can that's already been pre-seasoned is astronomical. Oh, yeah. Astronomical. Sometimes you look at those things and the serving size, which is usually... You know, you, you usually have more than one yeah. serving size in yep. anything. It, and you're already sitting at 60% sodium intake for the day. Yeah. It's, like, pretty shocking. And that's for a 2,000-calorie diet. You right. know, you maybe are a little bit less than that. Like, right. 
that's a lot of salts in one thing. Right. So it is it is appropriate to be looking at sodium intake, but I think completely like having a bunch of fear mongering around all salt isn't actually that helpful. It's right. not really teaching people the difference between salts and that they can use salt to flavor their food so it tastes tasty, so we salivate more, so then we digest it, and then we actually break it down. Use the nutrients, get those minerals in. It's kind of full circle. The other idea I want people to think about is maybe adding in. So when I'm talking about minerals, yeah, we can have a big focus on salt and sea salt. Um, You can also supplement with minerals, uh, with like a liquid mineral supplement or just a good quality multivitamin. It's going to have vitamins and minerals. But getting in more of the plant sources of our minerals is going to be huge. And there are two plants in particular, beets and celery, that are very helpful from a mineral perspective as well as both beets and celery contain nitrates, which are appropriate nitrates. I'm someone who is nitrate sensitive, so when I hear the word nitrate, I don't want to eat that food. These are foods that do not contain added kind of chemical nitrates. They just naturally have them in them. Um, When someone is consuming beets or celery, that nitrate turns into um, nitric oxide in the body. And that, or nitric, excuse me, nitric oxide, that nitric oxide then can help relax the smooth muscles in the blood vessels, resulting in a pretty substantial decrease in blood pressure. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, right? So just using food as a cool source of something that your body needs. Beets. Beets. I'm going to say I'd prefer the beets in that case. (laughs) Celery, I'm not so keen on. Celery's... I throw it in a soup, you know? I um, made a celery soup when I was like 19, and living in a studio... And it was so gross. I had to take like two years off of celery. Now what? I'm back to it. What happened? It was just it was just celery and water. Oh, you didn't know how to make soup back then. No. I see. <laughs> that the problem wasn't the celery soup, the problem was the soup maker. Yes, exactly. I see. Yeah. So for I think that's kind of a nice broad spectrum for people to just get started thinking about, all right, I have to look at my stress for real. For real, for real. I have to look at maybe meditating or bringing in a mindful practice moving my body, starting to take out some of those top offenders when it comes from like a food perspective and bringing in foods that are rich in minerals and especially maybe rich in nitrates too, appropriate real nitrates, not the packaged ones. Um, But for some people who might have more of a genetic factor towards being more hypertensive, um, those people especially, I would say, thinking about double checking their body's ability to methylate Um, which means looking more at like liver health and liver support, considering getting in some methylated B vitamins and looking at some supplementation, Um, gallbladder support. Gallbladder is directly under our liver, so it's very much tied to the liver because our liver is making bile. Bile comes into the gallbladder. Gallbladder shoots it out when we're eating foods that have fats and we need to emulsify and break down. Bile is also helpful for moving toxins out of our system. So having appropriate bile health to break down those essential fatty acids that are within those larger fat molecules from hopefully the quality fats that we're getting is going to go a long way to help set up our inflammatory pathways. So if we're getting those essential fatty acids, like omega-3 fatty acids, those are considered anti-inflammatory, right? People take fish oil for some reason. Sure do. It's good for them. What it's doing is that it's that essential building block to proper um, prostaglandin formation. We have anti-inflammatory and inflammatory prostaglandins. So making sure that we can actually be able to reduce our inflammation, that, again, going to come full circle and help our bodies to promote less inflammation, which is going to help to promote less intense blood pressure, right? Boom. It all comes back to inflammation, (laughs) baby. Getting in, again, more minerals, especially looking at magnesium. If someone is trending towards being more hypertensive, um, maybe that's coming in on the regular. If someone has an autoimmune consideration, so Hashimoto's, um, MS, lupus, so many different autoimmune conditions, double-checking or working with a qualified practitioner who can look for like an underlying infection, something that is kind of... Um, affecting the immune system where maybe your body is caught in this more inflamed state that it can't get out of for these deeper reasons that is what i would suggest for those people does that make sense yeah okay cool so that's just my little primer on hyper 
hypertension. Yes. High blood pressure. There's stuff you can do, and it is going to be more foundational. It's, it doesn't necessarily always have to be using medications, but there can be a time and a place for them, especially if we're in more of that acute high blusher, uh, high blusher, high blusher, high, high blusher, high blood pressure state. Okay. Heck yeah. Ha. Cool. That's what I have. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I have a challenge no. per se. I don't really have a challenge either. I think the challenge that I would give people is just, I think it's important to get in touch with understanding your body in so many ways. <laughs> and, um, there's so many cool things you can learn just from kind of experimenting with what you notice yeah like what happens when what's the difference between when you move a muscle through full range of motion versus not or like at what point in your range of motion are you able to gain maximal tension like are you having trouble doing that at a fully lengthened muscle are you more able to do it with slight contraction like why not play right why not be playful with it and figure it out and just just see just take notice instead of you know, sort of blindly putting it in the hands of someone else or just going through, literally going through the motions yeah. <laughs> every day. Well, and I think, again, it comes back to that bigger idea of being scared of your body or scared of what it can or can't do. But hopefully what this podcast is feeling like is that it's informative and through that information, feeling a little bit more empowering to, yeah. like you say, play around with things. Because you you can play around with stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you think about you it, really like can. if tomorrow you have deadlifts on the program, and you go to do your deadlift, and you just stop for a second and think, like, huh, do my hamstrings feel like they're at maximal tension right now? If they don't, maybe I can raise my hips a little bit and see what that feels like. And, oh, if I send my knees back and straighten my shins out, now, oh, all of a sudden, I'm really lengthening my hamstrings, and I feel tons of tension, mm-hmm. and my power to pull the bar off the ground is that much greater. Like, <laughs> just enjoy it. Enjoy you know? it. Play around with it, and you don't have to repeat your same behaviors every time. You can try something new and see if it works. Yeah. You can allow yourself that time to play around with things. Yeah. We swear. We swear. (laughs) And you might find that it ends up making you stronger, even though at first it might feel really weird. Yeah, super weird. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, this has been a great episode of Tension. (laughs) I have less tension because of it. I feel really relaxed. Yeah, my neck is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. His head is rolling on the floor. Yeah. (laughs) Um, thanks, as always, to our wonderful producer, Taj, who is like um, like a like a tiny little bird that lives in a tiny nest mm. and sits on tiny eggs. Yeah. <laughs> so cute, right? So cute. Yeah. And thanks to all of you for listening. And um, if you want to do a live podcast, we'll do a live podcast. You just send us a little note being like, yeah, I'm into that, too. Yeah. Um, and then what would you like to see live? Would you like to be in a Q&A session or would you like it to be a topic or an interview? Yes. And if so, with who? Give us your ideas <laughs> and we would love to make that happen. We'll make it work. Teamwork makes the dreams work. Sure does. Hey, we'll catch you next time. Come back again next week and we'll chat again about bodies and what they can do because guess what? <gasps> you have a body. Sure do. And this is You Have a Body Podcast. <laughs> have a good week. Bye. The You Have a Body podcast is produced by me, Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit noisepicnic.com for full episode information. Join in on the conversation at facebook.com slash youhaveabodypodcast. Tweet at us at youhaveabody, or find us on Instagram at youhaveabodypodcast. Let us know what's going on with you, because guess what? You have a body. <laughs>